listening to Ticker Talk, a podcast brought to you by CanNet, the Cardiovascular Network of Canada. Immerse yourselves in conversations with caregivers and patients living well after diagnosis and gather insight from leading experts across Canada on research findings that make a difference. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Julian, a research partner, a peer support group leader, and a patient with lived experience managing my own cardiac health condition. Welcome. Thank you, Dr. Parkash, for joining us today. Dr. Parkash is a cardiologist in Halifax, Nova Scotia. She's a professor and director of research at the Division of Cardiology in the Faculty of Medicine at Dalhousie University. Her research interests focus on atrial fibrillation and cardiac implantable electrical devices. As well, she is the Associate Scientific Director of CanNet, the Cardiovascular Network of Canada. Welcome. The work on the cardiac implantable electronic devices that you've been doing, what inspired that work? That was based on longstanding clinical care that we've been giving as heart rhythm specialists across Canada and beyond to patients who have any type of electronic implantable device, pacemakers or implantable cardioverter defibrillators. And I became involved with devices in particular back in 2006, when uh, just shortly after I started in as an attending staff in, in Halifax, the Canadian Heart Rhythm Society actually became leaders in an area of looking after patients who have recalls on their devices. With any device, there is the potential for a recall. And in 2006, there was a number of recalls that really affected patients with cardiac implantable electronic devices. And it's gone up from there. The interest started back at that point. I became the chair of the Canadian Heart Rhythm Society Device Advisory Committee. And and as I said, we were leaders in the area. One of the things that always struck me about patients who have cardiac devices is the difficulty they have in understanding what their device actually does for them. When we started the cardiovascular network, we really wanted to focus on that gap for patients. The other issue from a provider standpoint of someone who looks after patients with devices is whenever a patient had an issue with their device, we would have to go to multiple data sources to try to understand everything about the patient. If you have a patient in front of you with a device problem, you have to get either a paper chart in the old days or even looking at six or seven different applications to obtain their electronic information. We wanted to close that gap as well. So so it was an informational gap for providers and clinics, but also from the patient's perspective, so they can better understand their device. And so how has the project evolved? How are things going? We initially started back in 2016 with a survey of patients and clinics across the country. We surveyed 512 patients in three different provinces, and we surveyed 22 device clinics in various jurisdictions across the country to understand what clinics were doing with their patients, how they were following them, how much something called remote monitoring was being used, and how the patients perceived security with respect to things like remote monitoring. So let me just explain remote monitoring for a moment. Remote monitoring is a method of communicating with the device and the clinic from the patient's home. There are scheduled remote visits that occur where this sort of box, for lack of a better term, is in their home, communicates with the device often while they were sleeping, and would send the information off to the clinic. And so the clinic, yes, knows what's going on with their device, but the patient has no idea. 
And it was quite variable when we did this survey across the country with respect to what some clinics were doing. Some clinics were very vigilant. They would call the patients with the remote transmission result, but uh, most of the time they didn't. And one of the main findings we found from the survey was that 91% of patients wanted to know what was happening with their device. And there was varying levels of security and comfort with respect to patients, whether they felt comfortable doing everything from home and remotely, or whether they wanted to come in to the hospital. So as patients were older, we found the older population wanted to have the face-to-face, but the younger patients were quite comfortable with something done remotely. That's where we started. We also did a pilot looking at patients who were followed only remotely, and that was very successful. We had 176 patients and showed that we could dramatically reduce cost in terms of patient follow-up, patient cost, so patients didn't have to travel to clinic. These were major findings from our early work. And then we went on to where we are now, and that is the creation of a platform to link the patients with the device clinics so the physician actually sends information directly back to the patient about their device. So the patient at all times knows what their settings are for when they might receive a shock from the device, what their settings are for providing what we call backup pacing, and they have their medications on file, their information on file. And from a physician standpoint, we have all of the information we need in front of us at the time we review their transmission to know how to handle that patient, where the gaps might be in terms of things like heart failure treatment, which are medications used to improve patients' heart function. That's where we're at now. We currently have 1,200 patients enrolled and we have about 800 to go. We're going to have a little bit over 2,000 patients in that study. We are very excited to see what the results are. So far, the Virtues, it's called Virtues, the application that we use. That Virtues application is going very well, and it was the prototype for our future work as part of CanNet. And so it was the first application that we created to look at further remote monitoring patients. So beyond just what exists out there today with remote monitoring, this is a kind of remote monitoring on steroids, where you get that enhanced communication with the clinic and the feedback immediately about your device and your transmission that was occurring remotely, but now is occurring uh, remotely all of the time, plus getting the information about that remote in all aspects and in all cases. Is every implantable device able to communicate in this way, or is it certain unique ones? All devices have been capable of remote monitoring for quite some time, uh, Mm -hmm. for at least the last decade, very easily. Now, the ease of communication increased even more recently, where devices communicate wirelessly with these transmitters that they have at home. And so the patients don't have to actually sit there put a wand on their device to accomplish the transmission. One of the things that when we first started all of this work was we realized that there are some major issues to gaps in Wi-Fi in rural areas. There's gaps in cellular coverage in Canada. And so a lot of these transmitters use either Wi-Fi or cellular connections to actually transmit the information. And so that has been a struggle. Now, luckily that is improving. And we were very pleased to hear about the federal government's commitment to have cellular and Wi-Fi coverage across Canada. Some of this has recently come to light in Nova Scotia, where we had flooding and emergency contacts could not be made because of the lack of coverage in rural areas who were the hardest hit. 
and unfortunately people died and suffered because of this. Mm -hmm. So this is not just for us in terms of trying to communicate with patients with cardiac implantable devices, but for Canadians in general. And I think our government is looking at it as a focus and that's a benefit for all of our patients who have these devices implanted because we can then reach them wherever they are and they can receive care just as if they were sitting in downtown Toronto or Montreal or Halifax or whatever major urban center. As you know, at least almost half the population is rural or remote. We have large portions of people that don't have access uh, to major urban centers easily. And so that's where we want to fill those gaps. I think that the issues around understanding what your device is communicating is really still quite a concern for folks. I have my heart issue is electrical, and I lead a peer support group for women with electrical issues. And from all of the ladies with ICDs or pacemakers, it's what is it saying? What is it? Is there something I should be worried about? In addition to trying to understand or building an understanding of what can I do now that I have this thing in my chest, (laughs) it's that understanding of what is it communicating and is there something I should be concerned about and how do I know if there's something I should be concerned about? Exactly. And so we have worked with our patient council to address exactly those types of issues. And so all of the information contained within the Virtues application is dedicated to answering those types of questions. So we have an entire section of frequently asked questions that include pamphlets and pictures, which almost certainly needs to be improved as we get feedback from patients. But we worked with patients who have these devices as well to ensure that we address those types of questions so that when they leave the hospital with this device and they have virtues, they feel more secure and they have ways of getting the information that they need about their device because it is critical. And for women in particular, There's a lot of issues with respect to comfort with the device. That's a specific thing to women that men don't experience because of the position of where the device is. Ideally, I'd like to help improve that for women. And we try to teach all of our trainees to make sure they position the devices correctly for women in particular so that it doesn't cause comfort issues. Right. Uh, But when it comes to what you raise about security and understanding, that is all-encompassing. That's for all patients about what their device is telling them. You know, we have some patients who are afraid to hug their loved ones for fear of getting a shock. These are all things that we have tried to address in our application. I think you've talked about it in terms of how the application is meeting those information and understanding needs from a patient perspective. And I know that this is work in progress. Is there a way that people can access the platform or sign up? Is that still a possibility? And do you have a timeline for when this might be more broadly accessible? Yeah, those are very important questions. So the only way right now to get onto the platform is to be part of a research study. We have the research study going in all provinces in Canada. You would have to contact a center that is enrolling patients, and then it's a randomized study. So what that means is it's a flip of a coin and half the patients get the intervention and half the patients don't. So you have a 50-50 shot of actually getting onto the application. Now the study will hopefully be fully completed in two and a half years. Once we have the information about the study, we would then do an implementation phase depending on the results. So assuming we find what we intend to find, which is positive results on improving patients' outcomes and 
And in fact, the study is currently designed to be what we call non-inferior to current state because we feel that the information that you get from the device is better than where we are now. So even if we can't improve upon outcomes like, you know, hospitalizations and emergency department visits compared to standard, we think that this whole platform is better for patients. So we are powered for that. So in about two and a half years, we'll have the result and then we plan to implement it. Now, that timeline could change depending on how things progress. There's also a lot of interest out there in platforms like this. So there may be industry ways of getting it out faster. You know, two and a half years is not that far away. Right. That's what we're looking at. And has the work that you've done with this project informed or inspired further paths for project work or research that you're planning to do? Like, are you gaining insights that are inspiring future work? Absolutely. This whole prototype, as I called it, the Virtues platform has inspired the creation of several more modules that will address more cardiovascular care than just device care rhythm issues like atrial fibrillation, cardiac rehabilitation for patients who suffered a heart attack, issues for patients who suffer from heart failure. So all of these conditions we hope to be able to target with the Virtues platform. And so they are all in development and are beginning testing, what we call beta testing, which is the initial phase testing that should be starting very shortly. We learned a lot from putting this platform together and have applied that to the platforms that are coming. The added insight for patients around what their experiences of their condition. So if I think about uh, atrial fibrillation, for example, what symptoms you're experiencing, capturing those in a tool, and then having that interaction with a healthcare provider in terms of this is something that you should connect with your cardiologist about, or this is something that you may want to try to manage in this way. It's that back and forth as opposed to just kind of entering something into a tool. And Yes. And the other piece of it is the primary care provider, whether it's a nurse practitioner or a family physician, they are part of the next phase of, of virtue. So our CIED, virtue CIED, uh, certainly does communicate with family physicians and primary care providers, but the primary care providers don't have the opportunity to interact with virtues at all. The concept will be for all physicians involved with the patient's care to be able to access Virtue's platform and to be able to use the information that's contained within it. Just as we have done in the device portion of Virtue's is patients will have a better understanding of their own test results, their own conditions. A lot of that is demystified inside the Virtue's application. So it's not only the concept of providing specialty care to patients wherever they are, but also bringing it all together for the patient. Okay. So when you talk about test results, a little bit of interpretive layer, as opposed to simply the, here's your result, your number is 10.2. Yes. And there's no understanding of what that means. What that means. Right. Medical training. So yeah. So there's the demystifying of results so that they can be interpreted by patients. And that's what we've done within the even early version of Virtues to demystify the device so that they understand what exactly it's doing. And so using very simple language to be able to do that in words that are understood by patients. And again, that's how our patient council was instrumental in making sure that the right information got to the patient in the right way. 
Thank you so much for sharing this information. It sounds like a really exciting project. Sharing that knowledge is so important for people in terms of being able to understand what do I need to do next? Like without knowing what your device is capturing, there's nothing I can do about it. But if I then know, then I can take action if action needs to be taken. That's very empowering for patients. And as you say, it's also supportive of the healthcare practitioners as well in terms of supporting their patients.